Well, greetings, friends. It's been a long time since I did one of these monthly videos. It hasn't felt quite right to exhort you when I'm not producing the videos <laughs> on the as regularly as I would hope. But things have taken a turn. Uh, the schedule did ease up a little bit in the fall. I was able to get back into the way of things. Had some technical issues. You may, I think I had to do Genesis 45 again. The audio in Genesis 46 isn't great. There was a few, anyway, there was a few issues, technically. I finally got fed up with some of the technical issues, which I'll not bore you with. And, uh, well, really what happened was I was frustrated <laughs> by things not working. And, and then someone kindly gave a gift which that one thing turned turned things around that really has helped a great deal. So, while on the website currently I think we're up to Genesis 47, I have recorded up to Exodus 4. I have scripted, I think, 5 and 6. I'm in chapter 7. So that's all coming, as and when it gets edited and shown to you. So... Uh, we haven't forgotten, and at least I can say that by the end of the year, I have finished Genesis. <laughs> so, in addition to all the rest of my preaching that doesn't go away, uh, on the side, I have gone through the entire book of Genesis, which, in one sense, I guess is encouraging. Anyway, I wanted to encourage you give you some other food for thought as you continue to raise your families. And my thoughts are just a very simple exhortation as to why we conduct family worship and why, more to the point, why we should do it daily. And really this goes to why we should pray daily as well. It applies to the individual, just the same. So, we, with specific thought about the gathered, the place for gathered prayer, think of the language in which our Lord instructed us to pray, our Father. I always get a little uncomfortable when someone prays publicly, my Father, in my circles, it doesn't happen very often. I seldom have heard that. But I have heard it. And usually from people, yeah, pretty much, I think I can say people who are new have come in and they would say, my father, they've never really grown up in our circles. So I don't hear it very often. 
But sometimes you'll hear my fam- my father, and I, I cringe a little bit, because I think that's a distinct place for Christ to pray as the head, as the mediator of the elect, and the body, the members of his body, should pray our Father, because they're always, number one, praying in and through the merit of Christ. They can't stand on their own, unlike Christ. He could say, my Father, but we can't, because we need him. So that means our Father. We come through Christ. We recognize the place of his mediatorial role, even as we pray. And in addition, we recognize the value of all the people of God as they pray also. So we pray our Father. But it also implies what we do, that we are to therefore pray collectively. We should pray familially, as part of a family, as members of a family. And then that should be expressed in our households. Joshua is part of a nation, but there is that distinction between as for me and my house, what they will do. So, three reasons for prayer that I just jotted down here. First, thanksgiving for daily mercies received. Thanksgiving for daily mercies received. Every day there are new mercies. And if we don't pray, we don't acknowledge those mercies. And therefore we are like the nine lepers and we're guilty of one of the sins of a corrupt age, according to Romans 1. We don't really feel the weight of that. You know, I say that, like like we have the marks of Romans 1 on us when we don't give thanks. That should crush us. It actually should frighten us. I bear the marks of a people that are given over by God to their sins. So it should it should rock us to think that we could go through our days in ingratitude. So right there, what we do, fathers, we bring our families. We have absolutely no right, no place to not be thankful for daily mercies received. Secondly, we are also to offer repentance for daily sins committed. Repentance for daily sins committed. This is part of the instruction our Lord gives us in in what we call the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts. And that's tied in to give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. And their sense is that both are the same. Like the... They need to be prayed daily. And I've come across in some circles, some individuals, again, wouldn't be something I face regularly pastorally in our congregation, but sometimes with visitors or speaking to other Christians, you get the sense that they don't understand the need for daily repentance. Their concept of the cross and their forgiveness they think their assurance is undermined by 
or their belief in the finished work of Christ is undermined by confession, when in fact it is the opposite. You undermine your belief in the finished work of Christ when you don't confess your sins because you lose sight of the very reason for which he died. And we have recognition and revelation of those who sing and praise. They recognize the one who was slain from before the foundation of the world and it's all tied into a recognition of our need for a substitutionary sacrifice for the atonement. So, we teach our families then, teach our children, when we come to God, the need for a daily repentance. Repentance for daily sins committed. We sin every day. In thought, in word and deed, sins of omission, sins of commission, the larger catechism and the on the on the Ten Commandments is very instructive and I can commend it to you. We go through it in our church every Lord's Day morning. We look at one of the we look at the commandments um, consecutively. And this is really important. In fact, it's part of the reason why I suggested this to our elders that we go through the larger catechism on the Ten Commandments because my biggest fear <laughs> in this generation is it doesn't know it's sin. This generation does not know its own sin. And they don't know their own sin because they don't know God. They haven't seen God. They have a concept of God. They know the truth of God. They don't know the reality of God. And there's a there's a distinction there. I was just listening to a brother uh, this afternoon on a prayer call, and he makes reference to that. He was talking about Jonathan Edwards' sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God and People Holding On to the Pews for Fear of Falling into Hell. And his point was, the difference, what happened there was, those that knew the truth of this, all of a sudden, they began to understand the reality of it. And I, I, that one thought from that brother's meditation, I thought, it just came to me that, that, that right there, that's the problem in our churches. Certainly, I can speak for our church, I speak for my own heart, that there isn't, I mean, it's not like, like we know everything, but they're well-taught people. We know the truth. There's a misunderstanding in the reality. We don't comprehend the reality. And so that's the problem of our generation, at least I say one of the major issues and one of the big challenges of, of the preacher is to try and give people, by the help of the Spirit, a concept of, of sin, the real nature of of sin and the heinous nature of sin and what that means before a God who is infinitely holy and the frightening reality or the horror of it. And what it costs Christ. I mean, how can we sin cheaply? How can we imagine that we are without sin and make out God to be a liar? Or how can we dismiss what Christ had to suffer for us by glibly going through our days without any sense of what he did? And I'm convicted even in my own heart. The need for more reality. So the third one then. 
Thanksgiving for daily mercies received, repentance for daily sins committed, petitions for daily needs to be bestowed. That's how I worded it. Petitions for daily needs to be bestowed. Where we come, we ask, give us this day our daily bread. Give us the things we need, Lord. Give us the strength for the trials. Give us the grace to persevere. Give us the faith to trust. Give us the material needs that we are demanded upon us to make ends meet. Grant us the favour in the interactions with our children. Grant us help in our work and employment. Give us energy and strength in the organising organizing of our family economies. All these things, they could be multiplied. Just the petitions, the things you know. I mean, the things that tend to come to your mind first when you think of prayer, we come and those are right. It's right to bring those things to God. And God wants to hear because he's a father. And fathers want to hear the needs of their children and he wants to uh, wants to answer. And so we come with the confidence that he will answer and will grant our petitions in large part because having given us himself, I think that's the sense that because he has given us, he gives good gifts, doesn't he? He gives good gifts. And the greatest gift he has given is himself. And if he has given us himself, how shall he not with Christ freely give us all things? So, we bring our petitions. So those are the three things. This is why we do family worship. This is what we're teaching our children. They understand thanksgiving, repentance, and the place for petitions. And this is to come before God every day. Anyway, uh, I hope this is helpful. We're into the last month of the year, which is hard to believe. (laughs) 1st of December. And, again, this is a busy month. I hope to churn out more And we'll see how things are edited and how things get uploaded. You'll be notified for them all. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see what lies ahead. But I I hope you're well. And if I can be of any encouragement to you, or if there's specific questions that you want to to know about, be sure to ask. I'm actually going to start at some point, if I can get a free evening, a live Q&A for my church family, so if you are interested in that, you can let me know. I'll be glad to um, notify when that's happening. I'll figure out a way to do that, I think, um, just in case you're interested. But anyway, um, enjoy, enjoy the close of the year. Just reading last night that he has made summer and winter. Spurgeon's devotion for December 1st. He has made summer and winter. And uh, we have those seasons in our, our lives. We have the summer where things just prosper and go well. We have the winter when the bud is nipped by the frost and things are challenging and difficult. So I don't know what season you're in, but he gives summer and winter. So be thankful. May the Lord bless you. And uh, thank you again for even your prayers, your encouragement and your support.